take a deep breath Take the higher road That's what they always say As if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself Cause life ain't just a dream You make your own So kick and scream The people will like With a never ending force You never had the chance So what you waiting for The day has come my friend Cause this is war shift gears today. Last week we were talking about more medical topics and of course being a nurse that is definitely uh, more of my wheelhouse I would guess but today we're going to shift gears a little bit talk about maybe something that feels a little bit more emotional and that's relationships. I think that I am definitely a person that always likes to view things as glass half full find maybe the silver lining, um, uh, make lemonade out of lemons, if you will. And definitely something that I experienced through COVID and still now as we are, well, I'm on the tail end of it. I know some people are still uh, feeling like it's hanging around and I think some aspects are, but I was really, really fortunate to come out of that experience with a new look at relationships. I think maybe that is the one thing that we all perhaps have in common, depending on your viewpoints of the last few years. I think it's pretty safe to say that all of us have had some level of change or adjustment in relationships, the way that we view them. Maybe some relationships fell apart during COVID. Maybe you gained some new relationships. Who knows? But I think that that kind of overarching subject matter is important to talk about. And we're going to dive in on that in the first half of this show. And then in the second half of the show, I'm just going to kind of talk about what my new viewpoint is on relationships and the things that are going to be non-negotiables for me moving forward. And I'll give you a little teaser. I can only surround myself with warriors at this point in my life. I cannot do fair weather. I cannot do being, you know, uh, friends that will kind of roll over and give in. I can't do it. I need strong, fierce warriors around me. And in turn, that's what they will get from me. So I'll just share with you that when COVID first hit, I was in a relationship. I was actually engaged. And through the kind of process of COVID revealing itself um, to me and what I was witnessing as far as what I believe to be governmental abuse and this sort of gaslighting and manipulation and strong arming and robbing people of their power and their intuition and you know this just this all encompassing kind of barrage of we know it's better for you um 
you're not even really an independent being. You kind of belong to this system, if you will. And I'm talking about not only government, but like the mainstream media, the healthcare system, the pharmaceutical industry, our school systems, all of those tones and ideas and and the fear um, and the threats coming down from these organizations, I picked up on very quickly. And the irony of that is my relationship was very, very similar to what that government entity and kind of all of those octopus arms coming out from that, uh, that entity are towards us. And I had a real, I, I remember I had this kind of pivotal moment, to be honest with you, of being able to see it all happening outside me. And then finally, turning inward and looking at this going, oh my gosh, I am in the same version of this. It's just microscopic. It's in my four walls. It's in this one-on-one personal relationship. I was being manipulated. I was being gaslit. I was being threatened. I was being name called, labeled, all of the same things that were happening on a very large scale was happening to me. And there came a point where I had to have a conversation with myself about why I was participating in one, but I wasn't participating in the other. Because very early on, I chose not to participate in COVID. I was not wearing a mask. I was not social distancing. I was not telling people they could not come over. I was not sending my son to school with a mask on. We were not stopping play dates. We were, we, we were not doing any of it. We were not participating. But yet I was still in this relationship that was demonstrating all of this abuse. So I had to get out. And by the grace of God, I did. And ultimately, now, um, well over uh, a year and a half of being out of that, can I really reflect back and say, thank God I had the eyes to see. And it's a huge, huge silver lining for me. That, that COVID provided. And I, I never thought that I would actually say something like that, that there was a blessing that came out of it. But I want to also just kind of mention that that ending of that relationship was on my terms. I chose to exit that relationship because it wasn't healthy for me. And now conversely, I have had relationships come to an end that were not my decision. And do I ask myself, well, was that maybe not healthy for that person? Sure, maybe. There wasn't any conversation lead up to it, so I couldn't really know. But when you're on the receiving end of a friendship or a person that chooses to no longer either talk to you or be acquainted with you or schedule plans with you because of your viewpoints on things, 
that becomes a very different animal. And now, unlike the first example I gave, which was incredibly toxic and incredibly abusive, the, the difference for me in the dissolving of those relationships is that I have to come to terms with what someone else is not maybe capable of learning or reading or adjusting a thought process or having an open and honest conversation. And am I okay with that? Am I okay with somebody choosing to exit my life who never chose to have a conversation about my viewpoints, about my stance on things? Um, Maybe ask, hey, what are you reading to kind of formulate your thoughts about all of this going on? Um, How did you come up with that perspective? Or what is kind of shaping your overall viewpoint? There were no conversations. But what there was is what appeared to me to be a person who was triggered. And when I say triggered, it's kind of such like a, such a buzzword right now, like, oh, that's so triggering. But I really, I really believe that when we kind of look at these relationships that, that have dissolved, the person choosing to dissolve that relationship is maybe uncomfortable of where they're at in their process. Maybe perhaps they saw how I was continuing to live that I wasn't participating, that I was firm in my foundation, that um, I had educated myself. I don't know, maybe that was intimidating to them. Maybe they didn't feel as comfortable as or confident. And rather than kind of coming together and figuring out how they could gain knowledge or be confident or, you know, something as simple as go to the grocery store without a mask on. Like, I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but do it. You know, maybe rather than that, it was just easier for them to walk away from the relationship. And I get it. I get it. Sometimes taking the easy way is just that. It's the easy way. I actually had a nurse that, a nurse coworker that we were, you know, I would, I would say, friends, um, you know, maybe not the friends that would hang out outside of work, but we certainly would text outside of work and we had, you know, things in common and communication. And I remember the very, very early parts of COVID and the things that I was posting on my social media. And she direct messaged me on my Instagram and asked me to please stop posting things about COVID. Please, could I just go back to posting pictures of my dog and my artwork? And I just remember thinking to myself, number one, the audacity, the absolute audacity of somebody to feel, you know, so emboldened with power that they tell someone else what to post or not post on their social media. So that, that blew my mind. But what that also gave me a glimpse into was that this person was completely unwilling to get to the root of the issue. The root of the issue wasn't what I was posting on my social media. Why is that so bothersome to you? That's the root. 
why can't you just unfollow me? What is so triggering for you that instead of just walking away or bowing out gracefully or just not commenting at all or just hitting that unfollow button, what, what, what couldn't just have, have, you know, you couldn't just do that. There had to be something said. And I think also coming out of that relationship in which I was in, which I had felt so controlled, and then all of these external forces feeling so controlled, that's immediately what I thought of. I thought, oh my gosh, this is just a person trying to control, 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 control. And I, I responded, um, you know, and ultimately that exchange back and forth, that, that was the end of our friendship relationship. And now I am in a lot of group texts with fellow moms who have become friends that through this kind of process, we have found one another because being outspoken and not participating in all of this can feel very, very isolating. And, you know, being the only one at the grocery store that's not wearing a mask, um, you know, potentially going to a restaurant and being turned away because you're not going to put a mask on, you know, all of those things that we live through, not being invited to Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, all of those experiences are, are maybe the ties that bind a lot of us together. And there are a handful of women in my group text and that we get together, you know, um, every, every couple of months or so, but the relationship dynamic between parent and child. And when I say parent, I mean more of that like grandparent age. So for example, what would be my parents and me as the child and my son as the grandchild, there are a handful of women that have not seen their parents and in return their parents have not seen their grandchildren in years because of all of this now i am very fortunate to not be in that position i have personally been able to maintain all of my relationships with family members obviously some family relationships are closer than others um but i haven't had to experience that but when we talk about relationships, I mean, I, I can't imagine what that must feel like. The agony in these women's voices talking about how their parents literally refuse to see them, refuse to see their grandchildren. And I think about how much of that should be um, something that we can all agree upon, right? Like these were circumstances that were thrust upon us. Independent of how you look at the last couple of years, everything that we were told was literally just put on our plates, shoved in our faces, whether that be social distancing, isolating at home, don't invite people over, um, you know, wear a mask, uh, all of these kind of regulations that were imposed upon us were done externally. Now, if you're someone that participated in it, okay. If you're not someone that participated in it, okay. The one thing that both people have in common 
Is it all of these things were not of their choosing? How you dealt with them was your choice. But the coming down and the, and the delivery of the information and the fear tactics and the constant barrage of information, none of that was our choice. But I think to myself, again, some relationships I chose to end, some relationships ended not of my choice. How, how do we move forward from that? And the parent-child, parent-child, grandchild relationship is one that just eats at me. I don't know how somebody can move forward from that. I don't know how we can, um, you know, what further education we can do. Because here's what I will tell you. I, I have some ideas as to why those relationships are not on the mend yet. So let's just say, for example, you're of grandparent age, maybe 65 and above, and you're hit day in and day out with the fear tactics, you know, stay home, um, wear your mask, wash your mail, uh, wash all of your groceries, wear gloves, whatever the case may be, you know, you are deemed to be at risk and you don't want to be around anyone. You don't want to take any risks. Okay. So that fear campaign was intense. I get it. Now, for a lot of these women that I am friends with, their position was very similar to mine. Well, I don't think you're really that at risk, mom or dad. You're in great shape. You play tennis, you work out, you eat pretty well. Um, you know, you're, you don't have diabetes. You're not a smoker. I don't know that you need to be going to all of these extremes, like you've been sick before, all of that type of stuff. So those little seeds had been planted. Those conversations had been had. And yet still, you know, the, the isolation, the nope, we can't hang out. And we certainly can't hang out with the grandkids because as we all know, children are just these walking germs and, you know, they're the, you know, they're the worst to be around when something like this is happening. So if we move through those kind of that, that year, maybe until the vaccine came out, then we have the whole second layer to that story and the evolution of, of the fall of that relationship, which is, again, if you're older, you need this vaccine. It's what's going to get us out of this. Do you want to go back to normal? We all know the stories. And again, these children would say, gosh, mom and dad, I don't know. I don't really think you need this. I don't think this is best course of action. I've been doing some reading. I've been doing some research. And yet the grandparents decided to get vaccinated. So then it didn't become a matter of, well, we're afraid and we don't want to see you or the grandkids. It became an issue of, well, you're not vaccinated. We can't hang out unless you're vaccinated. And now again, fast forward, we now have all of this information coming out that tells us that the vaccine doesn't prevent infection and it doesn't prevent transmission. So in essence, a vaccinated and an unvaccinated person 
are at a relatively same risk. And again, the information being provided to those folks who are choosing not to associate with people who have been vaccinated or who have not been vaccinated rather, it, it, it's almost now a resistance. It's almost now like, nope, this has been my course. I have to stay this course. I'm, I'm maybe almost digging my heels in a little bit deeper. I can't course correct, or I certainly, I certainly don't want to be in a situation where I have to say you were right, or I don't want to be in a situation where I'm possibly going to be told, I told you so, or where you have to go back and say, oh gosh, you know, my son or my daughter did tell me this, or they kind of you know, um, were trying to educate me. They were, they were planting some seeds. They were dropping some little breadcrumbs about all of this. And why is that? I think that's such a huge component of why these relationships have failed and why they're still failing. At this juncture, we have to get past who was right and who was wrong because ultimately we were all wronged. We were all put into this situation by people that don't care about us. They certainly don't care about us like we care for you know, our family members. Those are valuable relationships. I'm curious if any of you have gone through that. My heart goes out to you. It eats at me to talk to my friends who cannot seem to get through to their parents or other family members and who certainly are not going to run out and get the vaccine so they're at an impasse what do they do where do they go what are the long-term ramifications of this those grandkids not seeing their grandparents anymore ever my one friend hasn't seen her parents in two and a half years. I, I, I can only imagine what that feels like. It's terrifying. And it eats at me. And I feel fortunate to not have been in those situations, but I truly empathize with people that have and that people that are still going through it and especially on the heels of the relationships that I have you know kind of lost throughout the years and it is very different when it is a parent-child relationship I understand that but I think that a lot of the same reasons why the relationship is not on the mend is the same between a marriage or a friendship or that that family unit relationship I think there's a lot of potential guilt maybe involved. I think there's potentially some maybe even shame or embarrassment involved. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I was pretty embarrassed when I finally had the wake up looking at my own relationship going, oh my gosh, how did I get here? How did I get so far down this path of manipulation and, you know, guilt tripping and gaslighting. How did I allow myself to get here? I'm a pretty strong person. And I think that that's a piece of it. 
think it's a, a big part is having to look inward before we look outward. In this day and age, that's just not a very large component of how we kind of handle our relationships. It's so much easier to point the finger or to set expectations on other people rather than put those on ourselves first. So like I said, I'm a silver lining kind of person. I'm a glass half full kind of gal. And there are some some real big benefits that came out for me personally. I was able to reassess my core values. I was able to reassess and and establish non-negotiables moving forward um, for the friendships, for the people that I was going to wholeheartedly invest in. And it's not even expectations anymore. It's requirements. I, you know, have my list for the the future person that hopefully I get to marry, you know, the the check boxes, um, because I don't ever want to find myself in a position where I'm compromising in a relationship that maybe is not the best relationship to have in the first place. So I'm going to take a little break. And when we come back, I'm going to kind of segue into um, how my relationships look now, what I need. I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. I need warriors. That's all I can have these days. And I am, I mean, there's, there's no shame in me saying that. I need that. I have to have it. It's a requirement. So we will come back and we will dive in on that and what that looks like and give you some examples of, of, of how we really need to start stepping up to the plate and taking ownership of our, um, you know, our, our lives and our kids and, and being warriors for one another and being warriors for our children. So we're going to take a little break. I am Nurse Beth and this is Nurses Out Loud. It's time and this is world. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. 
In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan, a plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure, a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. All right, welcome back. Moving forward, there's always there's always forward. We're always marching ahead. Um, we can't worry about the past. We can learn from it. We can take little nuggets and apply them to our lives now and, and every day forward. And, you know, I have seen so many examples over the last few years and still currently day to day of parents and friends that while I love them, at their core and who they are as humans, I am not understanding some of the overall decisions that we're making. And this in turn makes me have to wonder about the level of fight in that person. And I think that it's really easy for all of us to say, oh, I, I of course would, you know, die for my child or there's no length that I would go to, um, to protect my child or, you know, any of those sayings or any of that verbiage that you can use to kind of, uh, quantify a, a parent's desire to keep their child safe and protected. But I am missing a lot of that in, in kind of what I'm seeing. I feel almost like we've gotten a little soft, to be honest with you. 
I remember growing up and my dad was intimidating. I will, I will give him that word and I will give him that word lovingly because he is a man's man. He didn't take, he didn't take nothing from nobody. And I can only imagine what it would have been like to be a boy coming over to pick me up on a date. I, I mean, that, that must have been a borderline terrifying experience, but never did a day go by that I wouldn't know that my dad and, and my mom to that extent, I think my dad gets that a little bit more just by the nature of how he carries himself in his kind of, um, outward expression. But, but both of my parents, um, would, would have, and still would do literally anything for me. And that's not to say that my friends and people that I know that are parents wouldn't. I think we're not picking the battles correctly. Here's what I mean by that. My son never wore a mask to school. Never once, not one day. I mean, I've got an archive of emails that I would send. I've got you know, meetings with the principal, meetings with the school nurse, um, letters to the district, letters to the um, state board of education. Because I knew it was wrong. I, I knew it was of absolutely no benefit. And in fact, could potentially be more harmful than beneficial. And I wasn't going to participate in that. I wasn't going to put my child through that. Now, I can't tell you how many parents I talked to that agreed with me. Yeah, masks are so dumb. You know, little little Billy complains about it all the time. It bothers his face. He says he can't breathe. His ears hurt, you know, behind his ears. But they didn't do anything about it. They went along with it. There were no meetings with the principal. There was no work for an accommodation or an exemption for the child. The fight didn't exist in that parent to not have their child go through that experience. I don't understand why. If we acknowledge that something doesn't make sense, whether that be from common sense or a critical thinking standpoint, but certainly from a, if you even want to call it scientific, if we can all agree that it doesn't make sense, why are we participating? And the number of those parents that didn't want their child to be wearing a mask, verbalized it, expressed it, significantly outnumbered the number of parents that I would talk to that were like, oh no, they, they have to wear a mask. I think, you know, chalking up the mask to being the only reason why their child was, you know, still alive. But yeah, none of those, none of those parents fought for their child. And I will say that I think parents have fight in them, but are we, are, are we fighting for the right thing? Would we go down and schedule a meeting with the principal if our child was being bullied? 
probably. More than likely. Are we complaining to the coach if our kid's not getting enough minutes on the basketball court? Probably. I, I don't know how our framework has shifted from doing what we know is best for our child, independent of how that might feel for us. It's uncomfortable. I think I like being in the principal's office. You think my child likes to be the only one at school without a mask on? He's getting questions from his peers. It doesn't matter. When right is right, you do the right thing. I'm not going to have my child be in, in this system of conformity. I already struggle enough that he still attends public school. That's something that his father and I are just a little bit off on. So he's still going to public school. But I'm not going to have him be almost this kind of, you know, sacrificial little lamb because I don't want to put my neck on the line. Because I don't want the, the grumblings of, oh, what are the other parents saying? I don't care. <laughs> like, zero cares, actually. What I have to do as a parent is make sure, first and foremost, that my child is taken care of. And myself and, my fa and, and his father are the two people that get to make those decisions. Nobody else. Nobody else is going to interject themselves into our lives and present themselves as the authority in knowing what is best for my child. Furthermore, we've, I think we've all heard the saying, but, you know, I, I didn't have a child and I'm not going to light him on fire to keep other people warm. If my job is to keep my child healthy, happy, a positive member of society, a good attitude, a giving heart, a loving spirit, his ripple effect is going to be great. I don't need someone to come in and, and, and tell me that how I'm going about that, those are my intentions. You know, how I'm going about that is, is wrong and needs to be corrected in some way. No, no, thank you. I know a lot of parents that felt the same as I did, and they too opted to not have their kids uh, wear a mask, which is great. And you know what we all did? We all would get in group texts together and we would share our conversations. We would share our emails. We would rally together to know that we weren't the only ones. There's power in numbers. There's power in that sense of community. And, and I feel very fortunate. I feel very fortunate to have that tight little impenetrable group. Uh, of, of strong parents. And I'll also say, I find it very, very interesting. It tends to be the mothers. And I don't know what this season has brought out in the women in particular, in the mothers, but we are not to be messed with. These school board meetings, 
the audiences are full of mothers. Going to the doctor's offices, mothers. It's very, very, very interesting. This fight, this sort of innate, maybe animal instincts, if you will, that have come forward through this process. And we have kind of, um, you know, I guess sharpened our claws a little bit. And I want more of that. Like I'm hungry to see more of that. I want to tell you a little story. And this, it, this is a true story. It happened just the other day. And it is the perfect example of where I think our priorities are off and where maybe as parents, we are not fighting in the right arenas on behalf of our children. So um, I'm sure in, in lots of other states, there's similar things, but here in Arizona, we have a lot of master planned communities. So you've got your houses, maybe a little community center, a pool. Um, you've got a couple of grocery stores, independent little businesses, and then a lot of them will even have their own, maybe a little urgent care or, um, doctor's offices. And there's a very popular one, um, pretty close to where I live here. And they have a pediatrician's office and a lot of people go to that pediatrician's office. So a mutual friend uh, took her 16-year-old son. She has multiple kids and a couple of them have aged out of the pedi pediatrician's office. And um, she took her 16-year-old son for the routine kind of physical thing, um, sports, et cetera, et cetera. So in years past with her other children, boys, um, the doctor would, you know, at, at time for the sports exam and the, and the, the you know, turn and cough portion, um, you know, she would turn and, and offer the privacy and turn her head or, or go to the wall um, and that would take place. And then she would kind of reconvene in on the meeting. And also the doctor would ask with mom present, you know, do you do drink alcohol? Do you smoke? Do you use any drugs? All of those things, hoping that the child, of course, is honest and that they're not doing any of those and that they give the, you know, the answer that everybody wants to hear. So at this particular meeting, everything is going according, you know, reg regular appointment. And the doctor asked her to step out of the room. Now, the conversation for me right there, I am like, whoa, 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 pump, hold on, pump, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. You have an adult practitioner with a minor child asking the parent to step out of the room. First of all, that's a hard pass for me. Ever, no, not happening. I'm in charge of my child. My child is under the age of 18. I, I, I will be there. Number two, I'm questioning that physician now through and through. What are your intentions? Where, what, what morally have you been, have you been derailed? What is happening with you as a human being that you think that that's appropriate? So when I'm having this conversation, I am literally like shell-shocked. Like I can feel the steam coming out of my ears. I can feel myself getting fired up because I, I, I know 
that she stepped out of the room based off of how this conversation went and that okay so oof, that's first things first so she made the decision to step out of the room a couple minutes went by someone else came into the room they left doctor comes out she goes back into the room two huge things transpired with her child and that care team while she was out of the room. First and foremost was he was given a vaccination without consent. In all years past and in all vaccinations prior, it was discussed with the parent. She had to sign a consent. She was given the little uh, leaflet that talks about what we're giving, what are the potential side effects, why we're giving up, you know, the, you know, the thing, the little eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that you get. So she was not given that and her child was vaccinated, which she was not going to do any vaccinations, mind you. Secondarily, and they're both equally as horrifying to me, but this second one really has me, really has me fired up. The pediatrician asked her 16-year-old son if he considers himself to be a boy or a girl and what his sexual preference is. I'm losing my mind. I am absolutely, I am angry. I am shocked. I am flabbergasted. I am every adjective that would, you know, describe literally again, that cartoon character with steam coming out of their ears and their heads ready to explode. What on earth? So you have this 16 year old child now who's been asked wildly inappropriate questions, who's been medicated without consent. And now you have a mom and this is where it gets dicey. This is where I am, again, not understanding where we're giving the preferential treatment to people, why our children are not on this pedestal and we are literally fighting tooth and nail for them. She has decided she's not going to do anything, i.e. call the office, file a complaint, um, file a complaint with the medical board, um, take it to the media. She's not going to do anything, even though she's upset. And even though her 16-year-old child told her that he was wildly uncomfortable and he had a vaccine reaction. So it's snowballing the problems from, from this one little visit. This mom is not doing anything because she doesn't want there to be any negative fallout for the pediatrician. Again, my head hurts. Why on earth are we putting that pediatrician above our child. This, this is an absolute does not compute for me. This does not compute. 
this is protecting someone in essence that has literally just harmed your child. I, I don't care if they're a doctor. I don't care if they're a teacher. I don't care if they're a principal. I don't care. If my child suffered in any sort of way, and now again, we're talking about suffering from an emotional and a psychological standpoint, having been asked those questions, and number two, a physical standpoint by having a, a reaction to a vaccine that his mom didn't even want him to get in the first place. We're not talking about suffering like, oh, I had to sit on the bench because I didn't get the playing time in basketball. No, it's not the same. Very clear delineation in the differences of those. And it should be a very clear understanding in the difference of framework that as parents, we should be taking to the level of importance of one topic versus the other. If your kid's not getting playing time, he's probably not that great. Or there are kids that are having a better game. If your child's pediatrician asks a minor what their sexual preferences are, that should cause outrage. And that should result in immediate course of action. So this relationship, again, if, it's, if I sound judgmental, I'm not trying to sound judgmental. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where as parents we have gotten so complacent. Why are all of these things that are hugely impactful for our children treated so nonchalantly? Are we that egotistical? Can we, can we not bear the thought of not getting invited to a mom's happy hour? Do, do, are, are we so afraid that our kid's not going to get invited to sleepovers and playdates? I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know how we have become so lacking in our fight for a fight that is noble and necessary and God-given. We were, we were made for this. We were created for this. And our priorities seem so askew not where they should be. And I am perfectly content in this place in my life where I say, I'm probably not going to invest in that friendship as much as I'm going to invest in a friendship with a fellow mom or parent who's taking that doctor to task. That's the energy that I need. Those are the people that I need to be surrounded with, surrounded by. Those are the types of parents that I want to have in my circle. And I want to be a part of their circle because I carry that same energy. I think it's also important that my child, because of course, you know, my son thinks I'm the only one, right? He thinks I'm the only one going and talking to the principal and making a stink and 
taking the hard path instead of the easy path, which we had to have a lot of conversations about. Easy path doesn't get you anywhere. Growth comes out of discomfort. And you have to be uncomfortable sometimes in life. It's necessary. So I want my child surrounded by other kids who are also being raised that way and who are being provided with that example of fighting for what's right, fighting for what's, you know, correct moral foundation. So I don't, I don't know where this leads us. I don't know where this leads me. Like I said earlier in the show, you know, my circle has gotten incredibly small. Um, I'm okay with that. I am okay with these really intense, significant friendships that carry a lot of weight to them rather than a lot of kind of surface relationships, if you will. Um, and, and definitely, I, I, I have to know where you stand in this fight. I have to know. And maybe if you're not sure, like, how to start, where to get involved, I understand that because it does, it feels, feels overwhelming. And I feel like the attack, particularly on our children coming down, that, you know, parents are sort of wearing armor for the, for the both of us, ourselves and our kids, I feel like it's intense. It's coming from all angles. It's our healthcare system. It's our um, school system. It's the music they listen to. It's the shows they watch. It's everything, right? So, so where do we start? Um, you know, I'd love your feedbacks. Um, you know, but I I think that a good place to start is just to be be as nosy as you can be, and have your lines drawn in the sand. Stand firm on your morals and your ethics and what you are not going to, to just tolerate. And if something feels wrong, it's probably wrong. And I think that we would all teach our kids that lesson. If this doesn't feel right, don't do it. Don't participate in that. And that's how we should all be looking at it from a parental standpoint. If this doesn't feel right, if I'd be uncomfortable with this, if I was uncomfortable with this when I was 12, 13, 14, there's a really good chance that my 12, 13, 14-year-old is uncomfortable with this. I don't want them talking about, you know, what somebody's sexual preference in the doctor's office or at school. I don't need, I don't need him to be, be, be learning about other people's pronouns and what they call themselves and whether or not they think that they're a boy or a girl that day. That's uncomfortable. It's not the same kind of discomfort where growth comes. It's the, it's the other kind of discomfort. It makes people unsure and it and puts people in a doubtful situation about who they are and, and what their purpose is. But we have to start. We have to circle the wagons and we have to all come together and realize that if we give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And we don't want them taking miles from our children because they will take and take and take. It's our most sacred gift that we've been given to protect the most innocent, which are our children. 
draw your lines in the sand, put your priorities in order and protect them from all of the arrows that are coming their way and they're coming in hot and heavy. And with that, that is all the time that we have today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with the different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share these stories, the articles, podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. And be sure to join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our light and expose the darkness. It's time